0: Good evening. The television and radio stations of the United States and their affiliated stations are proud to provide facilities for a discussion of issues in the current political campaign by the two major candidates for the presidency. The
1: candidates need no introduction. In such a close presidential race like the one in 1960, every campaign stop, every television ad, every event matters, including the first-ever televised presidential debate. Senator John F. Kennedy of Massachusetts arrived for these debates well-tanned and well-rested from Florida, while Vice President Richard Nixon of California was recovering from a knee injury he suffered during a campaign stop, on top of recovering from the flu. Kennedy was extremely telegenic and comfortable before the camera. Nixon, however, was nervous, sweated profusely under the hot lights, and could not seem to find a makeup artist that could hide his five o'clock shadow.
0: In the election of 1860, Abraham Lincoln said the question was whether this nation could exist, half slave or half free. In the election of 1960, and with the world around us, the question is whether the world will exist, half slave or half free,
1: Those who listen to the debate on radio say that Nixon won. But the larger television audience who watched the debate said Kennedy won by a wide margin. But it was four million voters that would say it was those televised presidential debates that helped them make their decision in the election of 1960. Three and a half million of those voters would go for John Kennedy. Welcome to another episode of Print the Legend, a podcast for U.S. history students where we look at the stories that made up America and the stories that America made up. I'm your host, Mr. Nassosi, and in this episode of The Political 1960s, we look at the life and legacies of John F. Kennedy and Lyndon B. Johnson amid the Cold War, civil rights, and a race toward the moon.
0: Everyone is voting for Jack Cause he's got what all the rest lack. Everyone wants to back. Jack. Jack is on the right track, cause he's got high
1: hopes. He's got the media called it Camelot. Like King Arthur and Guinevere, a dynamic young leader and his beautiful bride led the nation. The White House was their home. America was their kingdom. They were John F. Kennedy and Jacqueline Kennedy. After squeaking by Richard Nixon in the election of 1960, Kennedy set forth new challenges for the United States. In his inauguration speech, he challenged his fellow Americans to,
0: Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country.
1: Proclaiming that the torch had been passed to a new generation of Americans, Kennedy, young and good-looking, boldly and proudly assumed office with a bravado. Many Americans responded to his call by joining the newly formed Peace Corps or volunteering in America to work towards social justice. The nation was united, positive and forward-looking. No frontier was too distant, not even the moon.
0: We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge...
1: Congress responded enthusiastically by appropriating billions of dollars for the moon shot by decade's end. During Kennedy's administration, Alan Shepard became the first American to enter space, and John Glenn? became the first American to orbit the Earth. Five, the space race four, was off three, and running. Three,
0: two, one, zero, ignition, liftoff. The MA-6 vehicle has lifted off. The MA-6 vehicle has lifted off. The factory looks good. Makes my heart start to yearn in my
1: child. Domestically, Kennedy continued in the tradition of Liberal Democrats Roosevelt and Truman to some extent. He signed legislation raising the minimum wage and increasing social security benefits. He raised money for research into mental illness and allocated funds to develop impoverished rural areas. He showed approval for the civil rights movement by supporting James Meredith's attempt to enroll at the University of Mississippi and by ordering his attorney general brother Robert Kennedy to protect the Freedom Riders in the South. But as Kennedy addressed issues on the home front, the Cold War was raging on in the 1960s.
0: There are many people in the world who really don't understand, or say they don't, what is the great issue between the free world and the communist world let them come to
1: berlin like his predecessors kennedy made containment his chief foreign policy goal abandoning dwight eisenhower's heavy reliance on nuclear deterrence kennedy expanded defense spending the united states needed what he called flexible response capability to kennedy this meant a variety of military options depending on these specific conditions Conventional forces were upgraded, including a program to establish special forces in the Army, such as the Green Berets. But despite the expense, Kennedy believed communism was a menace that required maximal preparation.
0: As a free man, I take pride in the word Ich bin ein Geoliner.
1: Closer to home, relations with Latin America had gone sour since Franklin Roosevelt's good neighbor policy. Kennedy's greatest foreign policy failure and greatest foreign policy success both involved one nation, Cuba. In 1961, CIA-trained Cuban exiles landed in Cuba at the Bay of Pigs, hoping to ignite a popular uprising that would oust Fidel Castro from power. When the revolution failed to occur, Castro's troops moved in. The exiles believed air support would come from the United States, but Kennedy refused. Many of the rebels were shot and the rest were arrested. The incident was an embarrassment to the United States and a great victory for Fidel Castro. The following year, in October 1962, the United States learned that the Soviet Union was about to deploy nuclear missiles in Cuba. Kennedy found this, as well as the American people, unacceptable. He ordered a naval quarantine Cuba and ordered Soviet leader Nikita Khrushchev to turn his missile carrying boats back to the USSR. Any Soviet attempt to penetrate the American blockade would be met with an immediate military response.
0: shall be the policy of this nation to regard any nuclear missile launched from Cuba against any nation in the Western Hemisphere as an attack by the Soviet Union on the United States.
1: The world watched this dangerous game of nuclear chicken unfold over the course of 13 days. Finally, Khrushchev, conceding to Kennedy's demands, left the world safe from global confrontation. Dallas, Texas, November 22, 1963. President Kennedy was scheduled to speak at a luncheon, launching his campaign for a second term as president. The weather was bright and clear, and the president wished to wave to the crowds as his motorcade moved from the airport through the city. A protective covering was not placed over his convertible limousine, for Kennedy said he wanted to connect with the voters. As the procession moved through Dealey Plaza, gunshots tore through the midday air. CBS, CBS was looking, looking at CBS as the world turns.
0: In Dallas, Texas, three shots were fired at President Kennedy's motorcade in downtown Dallas. The first reports say that President Kennedy has been seriously Within
1: minutes, President by this Kennedy shooting. was dead, and John Connolly, the Texas governor, was badly wounded. Kennedy was rushed to the hospital, but to no avail. The news rang out through the nation businesses and schools closed so grief-stricken Americans could watch the events unfold on television. Here's Walter Cronkite. From Dallas,
0: Texas, the flash, apparently official, President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, 2 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, some 38 minutes ago. Vice President Lyndon Johnson has left the hospital in uh, Dallas, but we do not know Uh, To where he has proceeded, Uh, presumably he will be taking the oath of office shortly and become uh, the 36th President of the United States.
1: After taking the oath of office aboard Air Force One on the tarmac at Love Field the same day that Kennedy was killed, Lyndon Baines Johnson moved quickly to establish himself in the office of the presidency. Despite his conservative voting record in the Senate, Johnson soon reacquainted himself with his liberal roots. LBJ sponsored the largest reform agenda since Roosevelt's New Deal, called the Great Society. And this administration today, here and now,
0: declares unconditional war on poverty in America.
1: Two very important pieces of legislation were passed under Johnson. First, the civil rights bill that JFK promised to sign was passed into law. This civil rights act banned discrimination based on race and gender in employment and ending segregation in all public facilities. Johnson also signed the Omnibus Economic Opportunity Act of 1964 a law that created the Office of Economic Opportunity aimed at attacking the roots of American poverty It's been a hard day's night
0: and I've been working like a dog It's been a hard
1: Johnson's popularity soared into the 1964 presidential election, giving him a decisive victory over his arch conservative Republican opponent, Barry Goldwater of Arizona. The United States was not quite ready to turn the tide towards conservatism, for American liberalism was at a high tide under President Johnson. Johnson, using his accomplished legislator techniques and his connections in Congress, would force through his personality and towering height, an agenda that included the Wilderness Protection Act, the Elementary and Secondary Education Act, the Voting Rights Act, Medicaid, Medicare, the National Endowment for the Arts and Humanities, and the Immigration Act. Simply put, LBJ would not take no for an answer. Make me feel all right. ah! By 1966, Johnson and the country was pleased with the domestic progress he had made. But soon, events in Southeast Asia began to overshadow his domestic achievements. Funds that he had envisioned to fight his war on poverty were now directed to fight a war in Indochina. He found himself maligned by conservatives on his right for domestic policies and by liberals on his left for his hawkish stance on Vietnam. And by 1968, his hopes of leaving a legacy of domestic reform were in serious jeopardy. There's something happening 1968 would be a year like none other in American history. In February of that year, the Tet Offensive in Vietnam brought a shift in American public opinion toward the war and low approval ratings for the president. And sensing vulnerability, Eugene McCarthy challenged Johnson for his own party's nomination. When the Democratic primary votes were tallied in New Hampshire, McCarthy scored a remarkable 42% of the vote against an incumbent president. Being wrong nobody's right
0: if wrong Young
1: johnson knew he right. had an uphill battle that in addition to fighting a bitter campaign against the republicans he would have to fight to win the support of the democrats as well his hopes darkened when robert kennedy jfk's younger brother entered the race in mid-march and on march 31, 1968 Johnson surprised the nation by announcing this on national television.
0: I shall not seek, and I will not accept, the nomination of my party for another term as your
1: president. Feverish political turmoil bloomed in the spring of 68. Humphrey was popular among party elites who chose delegates in many states, but Kennedy was mounting an oppressive campaign among the people. His effort touched an emotional nerve in America that desired to return to those Camelot days of his brother. Kennedy received much support from the poorer classes and from African-Americans who believed that Kennedy would continue the struggle for civil rights. Both Kennedy and McCarthy were critical of Humphrey's hawkish stance on Vietnam the Democratic Party was beginning to splinter. On April 4th, Martin Luther King's assassination led to another wave of grief. Then waves of rioting swept America. Two months later, shortly after Robert Kennedy spoke to a crowd cheering his sweep in the California primary, an assassin named Sirhan Sirhan ended Kennedy's life. The nation was numb, and we were only halfway through 1968. All eyes were focused on the Democratic National Convention in Chicago in August of that year, and with Kennedy now out of the race, the nomination of Hubert Humphrey was all but certain. But anti-war protesters flocked to Chicago to prevent the inevitable Humphrey nomination or at least to pressure the party into softening its stance on Vietnam. Mayor Richard Daley ordered the Chicago police to take a tough stance with the demonstrators. As the crowds chanted, the whole world is watching, the police bloodied the activists with clubs and released tear gas into the streets. There was even disorder on the Democratic National Convention's floor. Here's CBS reporter Dan Rather.
0: And what is your name, sir? Take your hands off of me. Dan unless you intend to
1: arrest me, don't, t- don't push me, please. I, a I know you will
0: but don't push me. Take your hands off of me unless you intend to arrest me. Wait a minute. Wait a minute.
1: The Republicans in 1968 had a comparatively smooth campaign when compared to the Democrats, nominating Richard Nixon as their candidate. Nixon spoke for the silent majority of Americans who supported the effort in Vietnam, but yet demanded law and order. A third party, Alabama Governor George Wallace, ran on the American Independent Party ticket, campaigning for segregation now, segregation forever. And Wallace appealed to many white voters in the South. His running mate, Curtis LeMay, suggested that the United States bomb Vietnam, quote, back to the Stone Age. And when the votes were tallied in November, Nixon cruised to an electoral vote landslide. The 1960s began in Camelot, and ended in chaos. Except for July 20th, 1969, when Apollo 11's lunar lander made world history.
0: Good morning. Man is about to launch himself on a trip to the moon from uh, this Florida launch complex. Astronauts Armstrong, Collins, and Aldrin sitting there atop the uh, great Saturn rocket in their command module. My palms are, are sweaty. That's, you now a member of the mission launch team. <laughs> Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Liftoff, we have a liftoff. What a moment. I am on the way to the moon. It seemed that the whole world uh, stopped. This man has set out on the adventure to escape from his own planet and to set foot on a distant one. Hello there, Earthling. Hello there, eleven Houston. If that's not the Earth, we're in trouble. The lunar module cutting itself free from the command module, beginning the maneuvers which should place it on the surface of the moon. Roger, Eagle, send Roger, how does it look? The Eagle has wings. Houston, you're go for landing, over. Roger, understand, go for landing. 30 feet, two and a half down. We're drifting to the right a little. 30 seconds. Oh, jeez. Tranquility base here, the Eagle has landed. We're home. Man on the moon. (laughs) What? Okay, We're going to be busy for a minute. There he is, there's a foot coming down the step. I'm uh, at the foot of the ladder. Armstrong is on the moon, Neil Armstrong, 38-year-old American, standing on the surface of the moon on this July 20th, 1969. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind.
1: And that concludes our look at the politics of the 1960s on Print the Legend, a podcast for U.S. history students where we look at the stories that made up America and the stories that America made up. Coming up in our next episode, we rewind the clock and re-examine the 1950s and 60s through the lens of Vietnam. Promises and commitments to the people and government of South Vietnam to keep communist forces from overtaking them reached back into the Truman administration. Eisenhower placed military advisors and CIA operatives in Vietnam, and Kennedy sent American forces to Vietnam, while Lyndon Johnson ramped it up into real combat by American troops, Richard Nixon concluding the war. And despite the decades of resolved billions and billions of dollars and nearly 60,000 American lives and many more injuries, the United States still to this day has the challenge of labeling Vietnam as a victory, stalemate, Or defeat. Vietnam, on the battlefields, and on the home front. I'm Mr. Nasosi, and I look forward to seeing you right back here for that episode next time. Until then, keep learning.